give it up for our praise team tonight. Man, so much history with these guys. And man, hearing that awesome word brought in the midst of, uh, of the song of ascent. And you want to adjust me just a little bit. I know you guys are doing this my big head. Um, that metal plate I got in there that makes it reverb. No, I'm just kidding. I don't really have a metal plate. No, not worried about somebody. Thank you, Pastor Ann, for teaching and remind us of all that. Those of you who are watching online, we're grateful that you're part with us. Many of you guys have uh, weren't able to be here last night. Some of you were watched uh, online as well, and some of you uh, even watched this morning. So welcome. I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to be here with you uh, and to celebrate. Men, do we have a good time today? Yeah, amen, amen. What are we? All but eight, right? And we want to focus on that and carry that out. And uh, if, if you weren't, if, if you're like, what's he talking about all but eight? Ask your man if he was here. And uh, if not, that'll be a book that I'm, I'm in the process of writing right now to help men find fellowship and to realize that um, that we cannot be by ourselves. It is not good for us to be alone. So, all right, you guys ready? You ready to get into business? All right, tomorrow, let me just go ahead and set the stage for you. Tomorrow, two services. I'm going to be in those big stories of Daniel. What I, there's a lot of big stories of Daniel, but I'm going to be in some of our favorites tomorrow. We're going to be talking about the fiery furnace, and we're going to be talking about the lion's den. I, I tried to get away from them, Pastor Dad. I was like, man, everybody knows those. I, I, man, I mean, if you're not Dr. David Jeremiah, but, I mean, you can't even preach like Daniel. Like, you know, if you're not David Jeremiah or Jeff Hoy, like, I'm just like, oh, what am I even doing in the book of Daniel at Faith Fellowship? But... I believe because of the series that, that we're in, those stories are huge because, uh, because they drive us to be resolved. And I want us to be resolved. I want to be able to look across the map of the United States and then across the world and see that God is raising up men and women, red, yellow, black, and white, precious in his sight, bought by the blood of the Lamb, anointed in him with his supernatural favor that when everyone else sits down, we stand. When everyone else bows down to the tune of the latest song that demands their worship, you and I go, hmm, I don't know that song. It doesn't sound like anything that my Savior has taught me to sing. Amen? And when there are leaders that come against us and they put a target on us, and Christians, I don't, I'm trying to get ahead of my message here, but I don't know if you picked up on this, but there's a target on us now. There's always been one throughout all the generations, but it has zeroed in. And the enemy is, as what Revelation say, he is cast down and he is angry and he has a fit. But those of us who are blood-bought, we will overcome him by what? By the word of our testimony and by the blood of the lamb. And that testimony has to be a resolve. And so I want to encourage you to make sure that you're here tomorrow. Uh, or if you're not able to, please watch online, invite friends, call them up tonight, say, hey, we got this big old bald-headed dude, uh, he, we never know what he's going to say, but he's going to get us in the word, and he's going to help us understand it, so please come to church with me, so you ready? Pray this with me, Father in heaven, show me how to walk to you, how to be resolved, and how to have your favor on my life, in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said. Amen. Any of you ever know that person that no matter what they do, it, it's always a success? Yes. Yeah. I mean, you could throw them in a 55-gallon drum of paint. And everybody else goes, oh, and they come out like detailed. Not a mess. Like it looked good on them. Anybody know that? Anybody know that person? Like you, you put them in a 
in a, in a house of just crazy people. And just in a matter of months, they turn it into like the highest producing factory ever. You, you ever met that kind of person? You, uh, you put them in the worst of financial situations and just give them a little bit of time. And before long, man, they got bills paid off. They're, they're doing their Dave Ramsey to live like nobody else. You got to live like nobody else. And somehow or another, you're like, what in the world? We, uh, we look at people like that and we have a slogan. We say, uh, we say everything they touch turns to what? Gold. They have that Midas touch. Now, it's a, that's folklore, it's a Greek mythology, but it's the whole thought that this guy, you know, Midas had this ability to turn everything into gold to save it and preserve it, but he just couldn't do it with love. We, uh, we look at that, we, we envy people, we live in the world of comparison, don't we? As much as we don't want to, we do. The problem is, is that comparison always destroys Christ-likeness. Now, when I compare my house and my family and my kids to yours, I'm either going to get self-righteous or self-destruct. And that's exactly what the devil wants in your life. He wants you to see, oh, you, you don't have the Midas touch. Oh, you should have studied harder. You should have planned better. You should have, well, some of that might be true. But I think there is for the believer something bigger than the Midas touch. I think there's something so big that, well, the world doesn't know it, and most believers don't know about it, but it is this one thing that God offers to his children, and it's this. And Pastor Ann mentioned it in her student lesson. It is known as the favor of God. The favor of God. And, and last night we talked about our big idea for this is how do you live in the world without the what? World living in us. How do I as a believer live in this world where doesn't matter how I vote, sometimes I just don't have control over anything. Matter of fact, I've just figured out, y'all, do you know the best, the best model for the fact that you can't control anything is a zit. <laughs> I thought when I got out of my teenage years that I was done with bumps. Now they come like skin spots, right? And the doctors want to work on them. But I have, I mean, I'm a relatively, I think, clean man. I enjoy the, the power of a fresh bath. I, I don't have one of those crazy loofahs. I don't know what in the world you do with that thing. I'm still an ivory soap dude with a, with a, a rough, rough, thick washcloth. Anybody with me? I mean, give me one of those got chevrons in it so I can wedge the soap in it and go to work on all this. You know what I'm saying? But it doesn't matter, I found over the years, no matter how much I'm, I clean myself, occasionally there's just a bump that comes up. And it is the reminder, I can't control anything. And so I have to look to something bigger than just me. Otherwise, to try to live in this world without the world living in me, I'm going to struggle. I'm going to find myself being stained at certain points in ways that, uh, that sometimes I don't know how to experience the grace of God or think God is big enough to handle for me. But what we're going to see, and we saw it just briefly last night, is that in the book of Daniel, one of the keys to not allowing the world to live in us is that when the believer gets hungry for the favor of God. Now, it's not a, a quasi-charismatic something weird, okay? It's not that which makes you just shout amen when Pastor Jeff's preaching good or two claps and a woo, Ric Flair when Pastor Ann's message gets good, right? 
It's not that which even causes you to raise your hand or, you know, I grew up with a Pentecostal holiness mom, a little, little Holy Ghost hop, okay? It's bigger than that. It's a real focused experience in the love of God. That it takes a head and a heart that's dedicated to him for you to see it and experience and for God to be pleased to pour it out on you. I want to take us back to the book of Daniel and we're going to start again in Daniel chapter 1. I want to make sure that we know that that the favor of God is the key to not letting the world blind us or stain us. And, And here's the point, you can't have both. If you want to live in this world and love this world and love the things of this world, you won't know the favor of God. But if you'll learn to stand in this world and love God, then you will watch something really wild happen in your life. I want to take us back to that verse that really is the hook, I think, and begins all that we're going to see in the book of Daniel. It's, uh, it's Daniel chapter 1 verse 8. Read it with me again, church. I know we saw it last night. I just want to mine a few other things out of this tonight. No, read it with me. It says, but Daniel resolved. He was determined. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. So there's this moment that this is where the favor of God begins. The favor of God is the moment your belief grows to a conviction. Remember last night we did an early comparison against Jehoiakim and Daniel, right? Both of them raised in the tribe of Judah. Both of them exposed to the same kind of prophets with the same message, the same Torah, the same Ten Commandments. They knew these things. But the difference here was, was what Jehoiakim did, what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. And instead of seeing the moment that he had to have influence, he's still alive. Look, as long as there's breath in this body, I got influence. So those of you who are young or old, or going maybe through a difficulty with your health season, as long as there is breath in your body, you have influence. The day that Jehoiakim did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord, and it was a pattern. It was a pattern. But that he rebelled and was killed for it, his influence was gone. The only thing he was influenced is that little patch of grass that they put his headstone on, that no more grass was growing up underneath it. That's the only influence he had. Now, friends, I got to tell you, I want to have more influence than than just where the, the, uh, the landscaper mows in the graveyard. Amen? This is the land of the living, and because there is breath in my body, I know I am the will of God. And I have the ability to participate in the will of God. Did you hear that? Take a deep breath in and go, the very fact that you can draw breath is the fact you are the will of God. It is God's will that you are here right now. And your enemy's like, well, if it's the will of God, don't you think it'd be a little bit better of experience? What did we learn? He's the same faithful in the highlands as he is in the what? The heartache. In the valley. I love how they transpose that heartache into the valley. He, he's, he's, the same, he's the same in the shadows as on the summit where, the, where, where you can't get out of the sun. He's the same kind of faithful. And our goal is to get to him, but the favor of God will begin in our life when you and I get resolved over something. 
And not just anything, but God's will in my life to where my beliefs grow to be a real conviction. Daniel, oh man, I hope, Pastor Jeff, they got, they got a Daniel 101 when I get to heaven. I'm going to the class. And then 201, and, and, and then 4306, and then I, you know, 501. You know how they did that in undergrad, right? I want to sit through every class. I want to talk to him. I want to, I want to figure out what was going through his mind when he first walked in, when he saw outside of all the city of Babylon, he saw you are now entering into Babylonian territory. You are now in the city limits of Babylon. And, and, and he could begin to smell the air was different. He could begin to hear songs that were sung and, 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 and we're going to find out tomorrow there were going to be bells and whistles going off that, that didn't sound like Israel. Kind of like lions and tigers and bears. Oh my, it was, they weren't in Toto anymore, right? or they weren't in Kansas anymore, Toto, right? Just making sure y'all paying attention. It's a problem when you got dyslexia occasionally, right? It's, uh, it's that moment where Daniel had to make a decision before he ever walked into Babylon. No matter what goes down here, Babylon won't go down in here. You got to make that decision before you get to the end of the year with your taxes. Oh, 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 that was a little close, wasn't it? I'm either going to handle my money like the rest of the world. I'm going to see it's not my money. It's the Lord's money. He's put it in my hands to steward it. And I don't want to, I don't want, you know, I don't want Caesar to hold any more of it than what Caesar needs to. But I also don't want to cross the line to where I would do what is evil in the sight of the Lord. So that in a flip side, it'd be harder to reckon my testimony with Christ and how I handle God's money than to, than to do it right to begin with. Are you with me? If you, uh, I'm talking to my singles for just a second. You, you got to make a decision before you get into the relationship as to what your standards are for the relationship. Otherwise, you get in the midst of Babylon, it's going to be hard not to be stained by Babylon. Amen. You got you got to figure that out. The people that you let in your life, the the, the hobbies and how you handle them. Uh, every part of our life is is a place where we look. I talk to people all over the world, and, and I'll ask them, "Do you believe in God?" Oh yeah, I believe in God. Well, my question is always, "Well, what separates your belief in God than the devil's belief?" Because James says the demons believe and do tremble. They got more acts of obedience in the scripture than most of the disciples did. And they're crazy. But the difference is, I can be saved, you can be saved, you can be redeemed by the blood of Christ. They are destined for destruction. I don't, I don't want to wait till my day of destruction to decide, oh, I should have had a conviction. To where what I believe actually becomes the bedrock by how these hands work, these feet work, my mind works, my eyes work, my mouth works. My mind to interpret what I'm hearing so that my response is not a reaction, but it brings out godliness. Daniel's beliefs went to a conviction level. Somewhere in the middle of that long hundreds of hundreds of miles of walk, it, his faith became real. You ever notice in life, sometimes you're way more dedicated to Christ when life is hard than you are when it's easy? Isn't that crazy? But you know, it's what the Bible experiences for us. Paul tells us that this in Colossians, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 1, 8, 9, and 10. These things had to happen so that we would trust God rather than ourselves. 
And there, when that plate got slid back across the table, Daniel had a good idea. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were going to do that. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, they were going to do that. But it started with him because he was resolved. Now, notice what the Bible says now. As God's favor begins to work, look at verse 9. This is, we saw this quickly last night. And I want you to think, man, I thought he said it was going to be different messages. They are. But let's pick up on this. Now, now notice, let's, let's story this for a second. Did Daniel get to choose the electives for how he was going to be in the king's service? Did Daniel get to show up and say, oh, I'm in the engineering. I'd like to go to the engineering department. Did Daniel get to show up and say, I'm in horticulture. I'd like to figure out how to be a landscaper in Babylon. Did he get any choices of that? He is totally under the rule of King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, Daniel's life is going to span several kings. Now, hear that because it's going to matter as we close and then tomorrow. Daniel is under their rule and authority. In other words, they have the attitude, easy come, easy go. There are other stories in the scriptures, whether in Daniel, whether it's Nebuchadnezzar or Belshazzar, that if you don't give the king what he wants... He'll kill you. And it puts Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in some pretty tight pinches from this moment forward. So when Daniel slides the plate across the table, he is also realizing he could lose the very hands that slid the plate. Or the very neck attached to the brain that said, this is your conviction. You could take me out of Israel, but you'll never take Israel out of me. And he could have lost every bit of that. But something in the, in the way God focuses his love in Daniel, does something in verse 9. Watch this. Let me back up just one second. How many of you have ever been a manager of people? This is raise your hand. How easy is it to lead people? I had tons of hair until I started trying to lead people in a church setting. And then it just let it go, let it go, let it go. It did the frozen act, right? Have you ever found yourself uh, getting aggravated with the people that you're trying to lead? You ever found yourself getting short with them? Ever found yourself uh, sliding them? Ever found yourself saying to them the stuff that you walk to the break room and go, I cannot believe that just came out of my mouth. You ever found yourself firing them? All the above, right? So we have this moment that there is a chief of the eunuchs. If you don't know what a eunuch is, this is a guy that had been dismembered by his male re reproductive parts. That, he would, that the king would not have to worry whether he is fraternizing with the fraulines, but that he is totally a slave in every part of his whims, his passions, his procedures. He belongs to the king. And this chief of the eunuchs, I guarantee you, had a sword on his side. I guarantee you he had all the authority that anybody that caused a ruckus, gone. Worse than the mob. Worse than the Nazis. Are you with me? This is a war machine. This is not happy clapping. Now we know Israel didn't hold its balance and so we're bringing you here and we're going to take time for all of you and you're all going to have your prescriptions, you're all going to have your Medicare, you're all going to have everything you need. There's none of that. This is a war machine. It is three years that you either pass or fail. You're either a mercenary or an emissary for the kingdom of Babylon. And at the end of the three years, if you don't cut the mustard, then you get cut up. You get fed to the statue they walk by to the God of Marduk. Are y'all with me? 
So this is a very tense moment. This is one of those moments where if it were on television, you would press pause and go, wait, I got to go to the bathroom. Be back in just a second. I can't take any more of this. It's on the edge of your seat. Not trying to be gross. I want you to understand the power of what's going to happen next. Verse 9. And God, read it church. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. When this guy walks by and he sees Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah not eating. God has already stepped in front and around because they took a step for him. Do you hear me? God responds to your faith. Over the years, I've seen God respond to faith-filled hard work. Faith is not the magic wand that makes life easy. Faith's the supernatural glue that holds you together when the, when the paneling's coming off. Are you with me? Somehow or another in this, if all these lunch tables are all lined up, you know, this is a huge cafeteria here. God has stepped in and just kind of whatever he did. I, I don't know what it looked like, but it changed the disposition. I mean, you think how angry you'd be if you'd be a eunuch, men. I'm not trying to be gross here. Just think about your disposition. It's high stress. You mess up, you're dead. And he's even going to tell us this. But there's something in how God is responding to Daniel's resolve nature. His faith-filled trust. His, his decision to slide the plate back across the table that God steps in. Now, God's already been there. But now we're seeing it very focused, very practical. Notice this is practical. It, it doesn't say that the chief eunuch was in the middle of the aisle. And he goes, I sense the presence of God here. something going on. It's amazing. Woo! No, no, no. But something in the way he looks at Daniel, God gives him favor and compassion, mercy, empathy, a tenderness, a pause to go, let me see what's going on here. Verse 10. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my Lord, the king who assigned your food and your drink. Why should he see you were in worse condition than the youths who are your own age? He didn't have to say that, but what he's saying is both you keep, you look worse than the rest of these dudes. Both of us going to die. Do you see what he's saying? I don't know if he's saying it intently. I don't know if it's one of those things where he, Pastor Jeff, he just leaned down on the table and got right in his ears and said, if you start looking sickly, we all dead. I don't know how he said it, but this is what he says. But he says it in a way to where it's not an order, it's a conversation. Let me drop, let me drop a footnote here for a second. Sometimes what I find over the years with believers... That we get so worked up that it's not in line with our faith that we act such a fool we can't even enter into the conversation with people that we could have influence over. Does that make sense? Are you with me? 
sometimes if it's not just straight down the Nazareth road, the, the road to Golgotha for us, and it presses us, and it really makes us have to stand, not on a belief, but on a conviction, we get so spun up, ungodliness comes out of us. And it works so um, like corrosion that we can't even have the influence that we desire because of the way we responded when that's some of the situations that God intends for us to be in. So he says, so you would endanger my head with the king? Listen, do you, do you see what's going on here? So watch how Daniel responds. There's a conversation going on that really doesn't have to go on. Verse 11, then Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Notice this. Anytime they get to the point up until the fiery furnace, anytime it gets to the point of the base, the, the first convictions, the first beliefs that have to go to a conviction, Daniel always uses their Hebrew name. Isn't that amazing? Now, when you start seeing Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these guys are already out doing their jobs that they have gotten from the favor of God. And now they are having influence. And we'll talk about more of that tomorrow. But I just wanted you to see that. Verse 12, this is what he says. Test your what? For 10 days. He didn't say, uh, can we have a freebie? I mean, come on, it's going to be cheaper if we, just, if we just flip the script on this and you don't give us what everybody else is eating. I mean, that way we would, we would do it. Pretty please. Notice what Daniel's not doing. He is not manipulating. Christians, if your way of bargaining and entering into faith-filled kind of conversations is manipulation, God will never use you. Because when manipulation becomes your tactic, you cannot be trusted. And your beliefs will always be used or retracted based off of the level of manipulation you got to have. Whether it's with your spouse, your children, your pastor, <laughs> your small group leader, the people in your neighbor, or even your bosses or your employees. Manipulation should never be something that a believer uses toward a, another believer or a non-believer. Because we are to live out of integrity and our conviction should always come through. Do you hear that? Test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then, verse 13, then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants accordingly to what you what? Let's just have a modeling contest here. We're going to go on a 10-day diet because this is the stuff that it may be minimal. It, it doesn't compare possibly in nutrients as what everybody else is eating. But I'm going to stick with my convictions and trust God on this 10-day deal than I would if I ignored God and I was no longer resolved and I start letting Babylon slip in with me. See, whatever your taste buds get used to, it opens you up to a whole bunch of other stuff. 
Amen. That's why some of us, even as adults, can't get over the addictions that we had at 15 years old because we never, ever resolved. I'm going to retrain these taste buds for Jesus' sake. Amen. We, we never get that victory because we're still wrestling, we're still negotiating with the, with the same demons that we led in our life as teenagers. And as teenagers, when we heard your youth pastor, your pastor, your parents say, that is not a road you need to be on, we thought they're the dumbest people on the face of the earth. Can I give you an example? When I was 15 years old, pre-Christ, pre-Jesus, my, there was a, 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 a beer joint, there was a club in town that on, on uh, Sunday nights, <laughs> right, they had a teen dance hall. Same club, same atmosphere, but it was on Sunday and it couldn't serve alcohol because we were a blue law state at the time in South Carolina. So hundreds upon hundreds of teenagers would go there and dance and hang out and make out and do all kinds of crazy stuff. And I would go too. Now my mom, a little Loretta, would drive me there. She was quiet all the way there because I knew exactly what she was going to say. She'd pull up and, and she would, uh, you know, she's still navigating life trying to figure out, you know, how to work two shifts and take care of me and my sister and, and, and handle her own grief. And I'll never forget when we get up to, the, to the where you'd walk in, she'd say, I want you to know that I really don't like you being here. And I was like, Mom, it's, it's safe. They got bouncers here. It's just kids. There's no alcohol. There's nothing crazy going on. She said, it's not that. She said, you see, you're 15 now. And there are rules that only allow you to be in here in this establishment for the next three years like this. But at 18, you're going to be able to go in. And in three more years, you're going to be able to go in and participate in everything that this establishment is set up for. And what you are unintentionally doing, boy, mama speaks some truth, is she said, you're just getting used to it so that when you're old enough to do it, it's no big stretch. She's just a factory worker. What she know? She's a woman of God. Whatever you train your taste buds for, it will be hard to let down. Whatever you train your taste buds for, it, it always starts with your passions. You're less likely to negotiate sin out of your life until you get resolved and slide the plate back across the table. But that's where God's favor steps in. So they set it up. Go forward in the text with me, guys, and see what, what happens. So he listened to them. <laughs> this dude's worried about his, he's worried about his head, and he listens to them. Okay. Right? Gentlemen, we ever do that with our wives? They start, okay, right, whatever, right? He listens to them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, it was seen that they, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were what? Were better in appearance and fatter in flesh. No, where they were living that thick life. In appearance, they were fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. I got a feeling that they walked probably 25 or 30 of them in. Made them take their clothes off. They're just standing there. Other dudes got little, little thick pork bellies. Little 15-year-olds, right? 16, 17-year-olds. 
Man, Daniel, Hannah, and I, Mishael, Azariah look like they're on stage at a bodybuilding show. They just sit over there all gleaned up and glistening and looking solid and strong. They look like little, little muscled up athletes. And the comparison at this moment is too, there's too much of a contrast to see that something real happened in them in a 10-day process. To the point, verse 16, we talked about this last night. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them what? Ho, 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 green giant, right? You got to be real old to remember that, that, that commercial. So what are we talking about here? Go forward with me. I want us to understand what the favor of God is. God's favor, and the word here is the Hebrew word chesed. Go ahead and say it with me. One, two, three. Chesed. It means the steadfast love of God. It's what we've sang, and it's what uh, Pastor Ann was talking about. It is the long-suffering, stable, consistent love of God directed toward his children. One of the first experiences that we have understanding the love of God is in Psalm 5, verse 12. Listen to this. He says, for you bless the righteous. In the Old Testament, the righteous are those who live dependent upon God. Wickedness are those who are autonomous. They do what they want to do and say, go ahead, get away from me, God. So he says, you, for you bless the righteous, O Lord, and cover him with, read it, church, favor as a what? Shield. So this man or this woman that the psalmist is referring to, and it could be pre-Messianic to push toward Christ, but it's any believer at this point who says, I'm going to live by faith in God. I'm going to live dependently upon him. I'm just not going to have things I believe. Those beliefs are going to become bedrock core principles that are non-negotiables for me. And he says, you bless that kind of person who is faithful to you like that. And then you do something extraordinary. You cover him with favor as a what? As a shield. You put this uh, very focused force field of your love around him or her. You, you work to protect them. Now, how many, uh, how many military men and women do I have in the room? You ever been in battle? You ever had people shoot at you? It's a weird thing. I have never been in the military, but I have had people shoot at me. That is not an experience I like whatsoever. First time I ever passed Jeff, I had a gun pulled on me. It's in Anchorage, Alaska. We we're in this Mountain View area. We we're going door to door. We didn't realize there'd been four homicides like the previous three weeks in this neighborhood. Knocking door on door, inviting people to this revival we're up there and preaching in 1997. Knocked on the door. Woo! Door opens up. Wham! Nine millimeter in my face. I'm like, I just want to tell you Jesus Christ loves you and I'd like to invite you to this church. The guy was like, what? I just want to tell you Jesus Christ loves you and I'd like to invite you to this church this down the road. Thank you. Wham! Slammed the door in my face. I was like, all the way back, I was like this. Uh, uh, uh. You know, it's just, you know, I expect that kind of stuff, right? Just because you got a shield around you doesn't mean that you don't hear the plinks and see the dings. Just because you got a shield around you doesn't mean you don't feel the embrace of the fiery darts that come against you. 
Just because God's favor, his very steadfast love, his love that when he gets a hold of you, causes him to never let you go. Just because you have that doesn't mean you won't have a test in your life. Psalm 1 says it like this as, an, as a furtherance of that. You remember Psalm 1? Blessed is the man or the woman who meditates on the law of the Lord and does so day and what? Night. Blessed is he who does not... What? Walk in the counsel of the wicked. Stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. Notice the progression. When you walk with them, you'll stand with them. For long, they'll paralyze you. You'll sit with them. Whatever you train your taste buds for, whatever you get used to, you'll negotiate sin and it'll walk you out of the favor of God. But this guy's delight is in the law of the Lord and he meditates on it day and night and God will make him like a what? Tree planted by rivers of living water. Not stale ponds where it's just covered in pollen. Rivers of living water. His uh, roots going to be deep. His leaf will not wither. He will bear fruit in his season. And whatever his or her hand touches, it will. That's the favor of God. That when you delight in the law of the Lord. And delighting in the law of the Lord is not always that fun. It's not, but it's worth it to have that shield around you. Jesus had to learn this. The Bible tells us in Luke 2.52, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. He, he grew in the ability to make godly decisions. That's what wisdom is. And he grew in stature. In other words, can you imagine Jesus when that beard starts coming out? He's like, Look, you ever seen a boy like start getting facial hair or Underarm hair or hair on his chest. He's like, look, look. I, got, I mean, I can't see a thing. I got, I, oh gosh, this is on the live stream. I hope they ain't watching. <laughs> look, I got teenage boys and when they started growing their little mustache, but like, look, look. I, was like, I, I lied, Pastor Jeff. I, I, I asked the Lord to forgive me. I was like, yeah, I can see it. I couldn't see a thing. <laughs> I could not see a thing. There wasn't nothing there, but they, man, they turned like, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> Can you imagine Jesus doing that? I mean, because he grew. He was tempted in every way we are, yet he remained without sin, Hebrews 4.15. But then the Bible says, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature in favor with God and favor with men. Jesus in human form had to learn obedience and see that very steadfast love be demonstrated on him even though he would go to the cross. Do you see it? He would say things like, I always glorify my father by doing everything he has commanded me to do. I know what I ask, he will do. That's a favor. And then that favor transferred to people. Students, I want you to hear this and hear this well. Nobody cares if you can raise your hands to Jesus in here, but nobody likes being around you out there. Because when you are acceptable to God, God's favor works in you to reach other people. And if you are hard to deal with, it will hinder your discipleship because as a disciple, you're to lead other people to Jesus. 
And so as you learn to rest in the favor of God, God will teach you how to deal with other people. Easy people, difficult people. Saved people, lost people. People with personalities like yours and people who are like, Woo, right? Jesus learned all that. And notice this. And, and, and the favor of God is his specific love over you. And the cross is the proof of it. That God loved you so much and he desires to bless us more than curse us is that he went to the cursed tree for us. And he very focused his steadfast love which is, was poured out in wrath. God's not schizophrenic. Uh, God's love and wrath are like two sides of the same coin. It's, it, it, wrath is his love spurned and he poured it out on Christ. For his holiness sake. So that there, you could trust that God's favor could be trusted. Now the fact that it's, it, it's seen in the cross is this though. It also means this. You cannot live in sin and the favor of God rest on you. Because the cross is the proof of God's steadfast love and his favor. Right? Never will I leave you. Never will I... John 10, 28, those the Father has given me, I shall lose what? None of them. Jesus is never like looking in his pockets going, where did I put Jeff? Where did I put Pastor Ann? Where did I put Brian? He knows exactly where we're because his steadfast love secures me. And he puts this supernatural favor on my life. And it's seen and the cross is the proof of it. That's my anchor for it. And because it is centered in the cross, it means you cannot live in sin and the favor of God rests on you at the same time. It's a block. Jehoiakim is the proof of it. Jehoiakim is the proof that he had all the promises of God because he was a part of the covenant of Israel, Judah at the time. But he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and because his heart was not right with God, instead of him seeing the opportunity they had because he was still the king of Judah. He was a puppet king, but hey, but how many of y'all ever not been the manager? You were the supervisor. And how many of you, uh, your people would say, I like you way better than I like the manager. You ask me something to do, I'll do it. He asked me, she asked me to do something, I ain't doing nothing. To the point that when you take a day off, they are texting you, we sure do miss you here, girl. When you coming back from vacation, we about to die over here. We cannot stand this man we working for. So just because you're not top of the stack doesn't mean you can't have influence. You just have to be resolved that you're going to be used by God so his favor will be on you and you will stop negotiating sin in your life. Well, I, I was born this way. I've always been cussing and, and I just will keep be born again. I, I've struggled with lust ever since I was 15 years old. I just have a wig. I get a tingle to mingle, you know. Well, put that tingle at the foot of the cross and get delivered from it so that God's favor can come on you so that your marriage will be blessed and healthy. Your children can see the gift of what a godly man or woman looks like and you don't have to live in regret all your life or worried about worse. That's probably too much on Saturday night, isn't it? <laughs> Look, you either, you either want chaos or you want a solution. Which one do you want? You're going to waste emotional and spiritual energy or you're going to find a solution. And the cross is always the solution. And I want God's favor on me. I realize in the world that I live today, it's going to take more than just money. It's going to take more than just smarts. 
It's going to take more than just muscle. It's going to take more than a, than a stylish dress. It's going to take more than that. And what it's going to take is the favor of God. Go forward with me, guys. Let me hit us with this. The favor of God, notice what it does here with Daniel. It opens the conversation. Daniel pushes it back across the table, is not eating, and the eunuch comes to him. But when he comes to him, God let him find, God gave Daniel favor in his sight. He's in special attention. The guy has compassion on Daniel and he listens to him. Maybe the reason why it's so difficult for you to get along with your neighbor is because you're not asking for the favor of God to help you have a better disposition toward your neighbor. And I know what it's like to live next to a difficult neighbor. I've just resolved it's God's will that that dude is here and as much as he aggravates me, it is eradicating the selfish sinfulness that is still in my life and it's just, well, he gonna get saved through it all. Amen? I'm claiming it because I believe God's favor. For the favor of God allows faith to take a real risk. Daniel is taking a risk the very moment he pushes the plate back across the table. And you see, it's here that you got to understand, God never uses the people who just sit on the sidelines. He didn't use them. They argue and complain way too much. Wherever you lead, I'll... We love those old hymns, don't we? Wherever you lead, I'll go. Wherever you lead, I'll go, right? I'll follow the Christ who loves me. Go here. Mm -mm, ain't doing it. Lead a prime time. Nope, not me. You're a great teacher. I don't care. Which one's it going to be? Faith allows you to take the risk. This is a, this, these moments that we're living in right now, guys, are about having the microphone. Do you realize we live in a world that doesn't even care if it's true or not? It's just who's talking the loudest? The funny part right now, y'all, have you paid attention to this dude named Joe Rogan? Joe Rogan is a comedian that talks about MMA on a podcast and Spotify in the world's going crazy. Who cares if Neil Young takes his music off of Spotify? Thank you, Joe Rogan, for cleaning Spotify up. Are you with me? The, the, we, we are upset about a comedian that talks about mixed martial arts fighting. That's how blind we are. We, we're in a world that is hiding names that were involved in a big, high-level child prostitution ring. When did we get to where we... That's the proof that you, you know our higher-ups don't care anything about eradicating uh, uh, sexual trafficking. That's how blind we are. The God of this age, 2 Corinthians 4, has blinded the minds of unbelievers. And this is where, in this moment, you and I have a significant power called the favor of God that God will use us to be distinct in these moments, to have influence. And it may be in the big stuff or the little stuff. The favor of God gives steadfastness in the season of challenge. Man, I bet about day four, when they rolled up in there and they went with some green beans. Green beans would be challenging to eat sometimes. 
especially no butter in them, okay? No pepper, no salt, no, no you know, green beans, you know, just them steamable ones. Throw them in there, ooh, light them jewels up, come out hot. You got to hurry up and eat them so you're not thinking, thinking about some of y'all sniffing an Oreo and eating a green bee at the same time, right? I guarantee you about day five, Shadrach looked over at Daniel and went, you always do this to us. You know, they, they're smelling, Jeff, we're talking about pork. <laughs> they're smelling that, that, that brisket. They, they are smelling that, that Boston bud all cut up, you know, and that barbecue sauce. And they're over there chewing on a Brussels sprout. <laughs> and talking about what it's doing to them. But it's the favor of God that gives them steadfastness because there's going to come an end to the 10 days. And it's at the end of the 10 days that the reward is seen because the favor of God brings the reward. When you take a step of faith for God, God's already taken a step in front of you and behind you and around you. He encamps around his children as a shield. You bless and, and, and with you cover them in favor as with a shield because the favor of God's a real game changer. Now, for the sake of time, go forward and let me just story this. We know what happened. What? The four youths were given extraordinary ability in all kinds of uh, literature, wisdom. Daniel had the ability to understand dreams and visions. Daniel, we're not going to have a chance to talk about it, but Daniel's going to be known in the entire kingdom as a man who is full of the spirit of God. Now, we know gods, but Nebuchadnezzar says in his kaleidoscope of gods, the gods. But we know the spirit that, that has a hold of Daniel. Why? Because Daniel was resolved. Go forward with me, guys, if you will. And when they were brought before the king, I'm going to read it one more time just so you can see it. None was found like, read it church, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Nobody. We're not just talking about their physical appearance. Now we're, ta- now we're looking at their SAT scores. Now we're looking at their ACT scores. Now we're, we're looking at their ability to, to speak all the languages that the Chaldeans went through because they were so far spread out. And those boys can conjugate verbs. That's the reason why, students, you can't fall asleep in Spanish class. Because there may be a Hispanic man or woman that God wants to put his favor on you to reach him or her or those students. And it was the day you paid attention and said, I'm going to take this class and do it for the glory of God. Hello? Hello? That's the reason why we can't, we can't just spend our money any way we want to. We need to be stewards of it. Why? So there's not, you're not only able to satisfy your bills and your means and, and I hope tithing is in your life, but there's extra left over so that when Pastor, you, Pastor Ann and Pastor Jeff don't even have to talk about a kid going to camp. You already say, hey, this year we set aside $1,000. However it works, if it takes one kid, two kids, five kids, six kids, 1000 bucks for you, uh, look, <laughs> You, you don't have to work me in with a silent auction. I'm ready to give because I want God's favor on me. I've learned that I can't outgive God. I've learned that I can't make it without his favor. And I want to be set apart because I want to be used by him. And it's not so the focus can go to me. It's so that people can see the power of the favor of a real God. As Daniel will say when he interprets Nebuchadnezzar's dream. But there is a God in heaven. And that's the real purpose. Nebuchadnezzar finds these boys 10 times better than anybody else. Go forward to this last slide and I'm going to close it. When you live that 10 times better favor, oh, it's going to attract the haters because haters going to what? 
They're going to hate. All right, just like what Pastor Ann did with the student, right? Jesus was rejected among his own people. Haters going to hate. He says, look, this is fulfilled today. I came with the favor of God to set at liberty the captive, to bind up the brokenhearted, to heal those, to break chains, to do everything that you've been asking God to do. And they're like, what you talking about, Willis? <laughs> so when you have the favor of God, don't just think everybody's going to be like, oh, she's just ex- extraordinary. No, they're going to go, oh, she's just trying to be extra. <laughs> you know, to be extraordinary, you just got to do extraordinary stuff. Extra. When you, have, when you want and desire to live that 10 times better favor life, you're going to get critics. You, you're going to get critics. I, I, and, and look, some of them are going to even share the same beliefs you, you have. At, at Beulah, where I'm at, we have experienced supernatural growth. And it is hard for me to go to a pastor's meeting because those guys don't like me. And I love them. I tell them, I'm here, I'm here for the kingdom. This ain't about a territory. I ain't taking your people. I want lost people. So you're going to attract critics. And you're going to have others who are just curious. They're going to watch you. They're going to try to diagnose you. They're going to try to figure it out. They're going to try to follow your template. They're going to say things. Well, you know, her and her husband, they do this. And I I just think that's that's what we need to do. Maybe so. Maybe so. But when God's favor gets on you, you should always use it to point others to Christ. Because that's why it's there. God did not put his favor on Daniel just to keep Daniel safe in Babylon. God put his favor on Daniel because Daniel was resolved and God knew I got a long tenured boy here that I'm going to use and I'm going to take him to the top of the stack every time. To the point that by the time Belshazzar is in office, his daddy Nebuchadnezzar is the wintering king and Belshazzar says, when you interpret this dream, I'm going to make you third in the kingdom because my daddy's Nebuchadnezzar is number one. I'm number two. Daniel was number three. We know that because of a prayer cylinder that was found about 80 years ago in the excavation of Babylon where Nebuchadnezzar, who is the wintering historical Babylonian king, is praying for his son, Belshazzar. And at every moment, this little Hebrew boy who had plenty of opportunities to die And go the path of least resistance. Kept pushing the plate back across the table. Kept bowing himself and kneeling down because he was resolved. I want the favor of God on me. How about you? Would you rather have uh, the applause of all your friends or the favor of God on you? Would you rather have, uh, oh, my wife, she gets so torn. Would you rather have her totally satisfied with you always or the favor of God on you? I'm not saying without the favor of God, she, she wouldn't be. That with the favor of God, she might. Maybe that's what she's been waiting on the whole time. Can I get an amen? amen. And vice versa. 
Would you rather have all the money in the world and the debts paid? Or would you rather have the favor of God on you? Not saying they won't happen. I've seen very, a, lot, a lot of blessings that just don't make sense. Not because I was smart enough. But because in, in little and big decisions, I saw God lead me and I trusted him to follow. I followed him. And somehow or another, he shielded me. Shielded my family. The favor of God is the real power that will make a difference. And you and I, if you are a believer, have to make a decision. Am I going to blend in with the rest of this Babylon that I live Or am I going to stand out and be so cantankerous nobody would ever hear my testimony? Or in the limits of the parameters that I find myself living in, I'm going to live by some unseen ones. And when God puts his very focused love on me, everybody will see it. And it will be so ten times better they cannot argue they'll be influenced by it. How resolved are you? Would you pray with me? Tonight as we bow our heads, Lord, I ask that you'd speak to us. I wonder if in this room and watching online, if there are a man or woman, boy or girl, student, that you're saying, Brian, I want the favor of God in me, but I've never asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins. When you talked about living in this world, I recognize and realize I love this world. I live in this world. I am actively choosing my way over God's. And I've never given my life to Christ. If that's you, the first step for you tonight to enter the favor of God is to be born again. It's to ask Jesus to come in your life, forgive you of your sins, and set you free from everything that separates you from God and hinders his blessings on you. The greatest blessing you could experience right now in your life is to be able to call on Jesus' name and ask him to forgive you and save you. And right now, I'm not asking if you're a certain denomination. I'm not asking if you've ever been baptized. I'm asking, have you ever given your life to Jesus? Have you ever said, Jesus, I need you to forgive me of my sins and save me? If that's you tonight and you've never done that, I want you to borrow my words. They're just words that help you call upon the name of the Lord because the Bible tells us in Romans 10, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Would you borrow my words and say, Jesus, I humble myself and confess to you I am a sinner. I have chosen my way over yours. And my sins separate me from you. But I believe that you went to the cross for my sins. You died in my place. And you rose from the dead to forgive me of my sins. Jesus, forgive me now. Come into my life and save me. Be my Lord and Savior. I will follow you until the day that I die. 
And with every head bowed and every eye closed, even online, I would love for you to write into this. If you're in this room and you say, Brian, I just gave my life to Christ, I want you to do something very real. Just barred my words and gave your life to Christ. When I count to three, I want you to just simply slip up your hand. I will not embarrass you. I will not call you out. I just want to celebrate with you. You just gave your life to Christ. When I count to three, I want you to raise your hand. Lord, I trust you right now. Ready? One, two, three. Would there be one? Then right now, with no one raising their hand, you either are one, still lost, and I beg you to give your life to Christ. Or two, you, knew, you know Christ, and this is my second question. Is your life in line with God in obedience that there would be no hindrance for him pouring out his favor so that you can have influence in these dark days? You were called to have influence. You were called as a man or woman, red, yellow, black or white, young or old, uh, educated, uneducated, rich or poor. It doesn't matter. There is a power source that makes you a shining light and it is the favor of God. If you're a believer and you're sitting here and you say, Pastor, I want that favor. I want to be used by God. Then pray this with me. And I want you to just hold your hands up to heaven like like you're receiving Just turn your hands up. I want you to pray this and say, Jesus, you are all I have and all I want. I desire to be used by you. I desire to influence for you. I ask you to forgive me of my sin that there'd be nothing in my life that would hinder you using me. Father, put your supernatural favor on me, on my family, and on this church that we may be influencers for your name's sake. Only you can do it And I desire to receive it. Jesus, I surrender to you. And in the name that's above every name, the name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Pastor Jeff. Well, let us go in the name of Jesus and let us go to influence the world around us. Amen.